Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 148. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Have you turned your key and heard that dreaded tick, 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 tick because of a dead battery? No worries. I've got the NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in your glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that will start a dead battery in your car, boat, truck, or RV. It packs a whopping 12-volt, 400-amp starting power and can start up to 20 dead batteries on a single charge. Plus, it has built-in spark-proof technology with reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart your vehicle. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are solid copper for maximum conductivity, and there's a built-in ultra-bright dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS emergency strobe. It's easily rechargeable with a USB outlet, and you can charge your smartphone or tablet while you're on the road. Works on any 12-volt lead-acid battery. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, your battery care source since 1914. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. Today I'm really excited to introduce a very special guest on this Christmas day, Jeff Koch. Jeff, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Is Santa buckled into his sleigh, Mark? I think Santa's buckled in, yeah. Then let's go. Okay. Jeff Koch has been the West Coast editor for Hemmings Motor News for over 10 years, and he's been a professional automotive writer and photographer for more than 20 years, and he's written and taken photographs for magazines as diverse as Hot Rod and Super Street. Jeff worked for the Johnny Lightning Diecast Car Company, and he's an avid collector of diecast cars himself and has collected for over 20 years. That's why I thought it'd be fun to have him on the show today because Christmas in many ways is about gift giving and toys and us car people love toys, which ties in today's Christmas theme. So pour yourself some eggnog, sit down next to the fireplace, and we'll have some fun talking and playing with cars. So Jeff, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you. Would you please take a moment and maybe share a little bit more about your history your career, your interest in die-cast car collecting, and your passion for automobiles. Oh, boy. Well, where do you start? Toy cars came first, obviously. I was, uh, I was two or three years old when, uh, when I got my first Matchbox car, and uh, that very quickly blossomed into raging enthusiasm. That led to my parents getting me a subscription to Car and Driver in 1977 uh, when I was seven years old. By the time I was 12, I actually started reading the stories instead of just looking at the pictures, and it, it occurred to me that, gosh, they were having an awful lot of fun. Around that time, I, I discovered that I had the, uh, the ability to string words and sentences together in a, in a way that amused my teachers and parents and friends alike. <laughs> so from, from there, I decided I wanted to write about cars at the age of 12. At the age of 23, I, I achieved that dream, and I haven't quite figured out what comes next. Well, that's so cool, and that's kind of what Cars Yeah is all about. In fact, it is what it's all about, is tying your passion for things into your vocation. And tell us a little bit, before we get started with some of the questions I have for you, you started building cars, you started collecting cars. Tell us a little bit about this collection of toy cars that you have. Again, started playing uh, 
had probably by the age of ten had a had a, a couple of hundred just from gifts and and what have you over time. I transitioned into building model car kits in the uh, in the eighties and nineties. Got out of that when I was about twenty five. Got back into collecting diecast cars again, concentrating on one sixty fourth scale or three inch or S scale for my train fans out there. And I'm currently up to about 9,400 pieces in my own personal collection. Oh my gosh. Well, I would assume then when Christmas time comes and people need to figure out what to buy Jeff for Christmas, do you still get a lot of toy cars for gifts or do people not even know what to buy you because you probably already have it? I think it's the latter. I'm at a point now where my wants are so specific and so obscure that I, I can't even direct people to a, a place to, to find something for me. <laughs> I just assume that, that I'll, I'll find it myself at some point, and you know, I'm, I'm usually uh, you know, satisfied, with, satisfied with a card and a hug. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote, and this is something that's perhaps instrumental in forming your life or your success, but it's a good way to get the inspirational sleigh bells ringing here on Cars Yeah on Christmas Day. So, Jeff, take the wheel. Well, Mark, I got to be honest. I'm I'm not much of an inspirational quote kind of guy. The you know the, the closest uh, thing I have to a motto is if it's not chocolate, it's not dessert. <laughs> which uh, yeah, which reminds me, uh, after uh, after today's ham, I'm looking forward to some fresh baked chocolate chip cookies. Oh well, that sounds good. And I think for Christmas, given that uh, the treats that we indulge ourselves in, that's fine. I'll accept that today instead of a quote. That sounds pretty good to me as well. I love chocolate. And uh, I think I've had a little too much today as well. As we continue on your automotive journey here, tell me about that pivotal moment when you knew you were a car guy. It came early on. Honestly, it's it came so early that I've never, I, it was never an epiphany. That, I mean, it was never a conscious epiphany. I mean, maybe I was was when I was a little kid, but my, uh, my parents uh, were wheeling me through one of the many uh, discount chain stores that were dotted around New Jersey when I grew up in the early 1970s. And, you know, I'm, I'm two years old, so I'm causing a ruckus and making a fuss and, you know, I do what two-year-olds do. So they found me what is known even still in the toy industry as a shut-up toy. <laughs> and a shut-up toy is designed to do exactly that. You pull it off the pegs, you put it in your kid's hand, and he shuts up. And for me, that shut-up toy was a matchbox car. Oh, It was the the Matchbox uh, BMC 1800 Pininfarina. It was an early transitional super fast car with the uh, with the the thin uh, the thin tires. It was painted gold, and it didn't quite have the effect that they were hoping for. Instead of me just blabbering on about whatever, now now I wouldn't shut up, but I just I wouldn't shut up about cars. <laughs> I love that. You know, we, I have so many guests on the show that talk about starting with playing with Matchbox cars, and I was the same. Matchbox by Lesney. My father bought me my first one, which was a red Jaguar XKE, which like you, I still have mine today. It was something that uh, started a trend that grew and grew and grew. Not quite as crazy and elaborate as yours is. Yours is pretty darn impressive, but that's pretty cool. And mine, uh, I actually lost mine in the bushes when I was maybe eight or nine years old. I was, you know, I would drive up and down the driveway and we had, we had Japanese holly bushes that lined the driveway. I didn't really think of it in those uh, in those days that that was my first car. It was just it was a car that didn't get put back in the box, and that was the end of that. And years later, uh, you know, I want to say maybe mid nineteen nineties, so twenty years after I would have lost it, 
all the bushes got pulled up. They'd all uh, they'd all gotten sick and died. And the, uh, the the gardeners who pulled up all the bushes, they found the car. Oh, my gosh. You know, the windows were all crazed. The paint was all peeling. Two of the wheels were missing. There were dirt and twigs inside the interior. And they left it on uh, the redwood chair on the front porch, and uh, which confused my parents because they thought I'd left it there as some sort of cryptic calling card. Like, <laughs> you know. But uh, but no, the, the, these guys had uh, had found my first Matchbox car. Now I have it. Uh, believe it or not, I have it on display in my uh, in my dining room in my home, along with uh, one that is uh, mint in package. I believe it. I believe it. And I think the rest of our listeners with a passion for cars, they get it too. That is pretty darn cool. Oh my gosh. Jeff, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and and crawl under the hood a bit. This is a fun part of the show in the sense that I want you to share a huge challenge or a great failure that you've faced, perhaps in your career, but more importantly, share with us how you overcame it. And the most important part is what you learned from it. Mm. Well, I almost very nearly didn't get into the the automotive magazine industry. I had to basically bully my way into an interview. Back in 1993, I think I mentioned I grew up in New Jersey, and uh, I discovered that there was a car magazine publishing company based in New Jersey. So I, I sent them a resume, never heard back, and it basically forced my way into an interview. I just called and said, hey, when can I schedule an interview? They weren't hiring. They had no interest in me, but I went in anyway. And I learned later that the publisher basically wanted to get rid of me. He said he told all the editors, yeah, talk to him and, you know, entertain him and then we'll kick him out the door. So I went in for my interview. All of the editors, I'm told, I was told later, were, uh, were impressed, insisted I be hired immediately. <laughs> uh, the publisher still wanted nothing to do with me, but he listened to them and hired me on. And I was, I was at that company for two and a half years. What was the company? Uh, they were called CSK Publishing out of, out of Saddlebrook, New Jersey. They did a, a range of American automotive niche titles, including, uh, let me see if I can remember them all now. There was Muscle Cars Magazine. There was Vet Magazine, High Performance Mopar, High Performance Pontiac. The, the, the big one then and now still is Muscle Mustangs and Fast Fords, which was really the, the first magazine to concentrate on the, the late model fuel-injected 5-liter market as opposed to the classic Mustang market. And they had a they had a, a bracket racing USA was one of their magazines and they they bought a couple of Tex Smith publications, yeah. And that was that was from ninety three to middle of ninety six. Well, you know what is so awesome about that story is today's Christmas, and your story tells entrepreneurs and people that have a passion for working in a certain field, don't be afraid to ask for what you want, and that's what you did. You went in there and asked for what you wanted, and by golly. I guess it was Christmas for you that day because you got it. Yeah, believe me, nobody's nobody's more surprised than me that I got away with it. <laughs> well, a great lesson in life. And I always say that if I'd known that lesson when I was in high school, I might have had more dates. Don't be afraid to ask. So, <laughs> so kids out there, don't be afraid to ask for what you want for. Entrepreneurs out there, you can go get what you want. Jeff, let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum and share a story with me when you had a real aha moment in your career, a time when you realized that an idea or concept that you had was really going to make it, and tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into your success. Mm. Well, uh, one, of my, one of my first aha moments, I, I suppose, was uh, I was uh, 
I was a staffer at High Performance Pontiac Magazine for for about six weeks. Um, I had previously been a uh, been an intern and a fact checker at New Jersey Monthly Magazine, and uh, for for reasons I'm not entirely sure about, it was of great amusement to my fellow fact checkers that uh, John DeLorean's name was in the phone book mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and was uh, and had a farm up up somewhere in in rural northern New Jersey. So fast forward to uh, I'm in High Performance Pontiac Magazine. It's going to be the was it the 30th anniversary of the Pontiac GTO in 1994. Yes, and they were putting an, an issue together and. Editor says, "Boy, it'd be really cool if we could get an interview with John DeLorean." Now, of course, this is all you know post, you know post cocaine and post everything else, and he just wants to retire and live in peace on his on his farm. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm the new kid on the block, and I say, "Oh yeah, I can, I can, I'll call him." Mm-hmm. And you know, and everybody's looking at me like, "What are you talking about? I'll call him." So, you know, nobody bothered to go look in the phone book and see if he was there. So, got the phone book, gave him a call. Mister DeLorean answered on the second ring. Chatted for twenty minutes, and uh, wow, that probably extended to that career, uh, that job at my company by at least a year and a half. Don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody. Wow, <laughs> that is really cool. And John DeLorean makes it even better. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. How about proudest moments in your career? I'm sure you've had many, but is there one in particular that really stands out? Oh gosh. Uh, well, speaking with Mr. DeLorean was a biggie. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's been it's been a career of of highlights for me, it, just from from one to the other. From uh, you know, from getting hired at CSK at all, talking to Mr. DeLorean, then later on, 1997, getting hired on at Hot Rod Magazine as a staffer. I was there for four and a half years, to being able to to follow my follow my dream of making toy cars, where, where I worked at Johnny Lightning for a couple of years. And then getting back into publishing and really being able to to do it from being able to do it from home. I don't have to go to a central office every day and, and clock in and what have you. So yeah, um, it's it really it's it's been uh, it's been a, a string of of highlights. It's all been good. Let me ask you, since we have a little bit of a toy theme here at Cars Yeah today, what were you doing at Johnny Lightning? Ha! Uh, gosh, what wasn't I doing at Johnny Lightning? I was uh, my my title there was brand manager, and long story short, that meant that I had a I had a hand in everything from uh, suggesting new models to do new castings, uh, getting getting the approval from the owner of the company, to working with the contractors in China to make sure that it gets done, scheduling them into uh, into various series, and making sure that they get put onto stores on time, uh, working on packaging. Uh, determining what colors, what wheels to put on them, uh, all, all this sort of thing. So the, the actual the, the actual cars themselves, I'm the one who said, oh, I want this color and this wheel. And uh, often I would end up taking photos for the packaging. I would write blurbs on the back of the packaging. And that was, and that was part of what I did. You were just a big kid having fun with toy cars. Basically, basically. <laughs> that sounds like a dream job. Wow, very cool. So let's have a little bit of fun here, Jeff. What was your first really special car? And perhaps you could share a memory you had with that vehicle. Anybody's first special car is probably the first car that they have that's able to afford them the freedom to you know, go somewhere and they have enough trust in it that it's not going to break down on them in 10 minutes. My, my first was a, was a 76 Chevy Impala custom coupe handed down from my grandfather. 
as as far as uh, but it, I mean, when I got it, it was only eleven years old, so really, it was just considered a used car at that point. Uh, first special car I bought was a uh, was a nineteen seventy Mercury Cyclone GT. Oh wow! It was it was a California car, but I bought it when I lived in Jersey, and it was uh, it had been repainted, but it was originally competition orange. It was a, a four twenty nine uh, automatic car. I had it for about a year. Never did get it run right, and uh, <laughs> and it went away quickly. <laughs> um, I had uh, some years later. I had a Mercury Montego, which uh, which I later built up as a as a project car in the pages of Hot Rod. I had uh, I have much much more fond memories of it. In fact, the the day I went to pick it up, which was maybe 1998, mm-hmm. um, it was I I was living in California at the time. Flew up to the Bay Area to to pick it up. Uh, owner picked me up at the airport. The car ran fine. I gave him money. I went to pick up a buddy of mine who had just gotten out of the Peace Corps. I uh, picked him up, and he he thought he wanted to go to L.A. for a couple of days just for some R&R. But while we were up there, he said, no, let's, uh, let's go to Reno instead. Now, keep in mind, this is December. It's in a car that, you know, I'm not exactly sure that it's going to get home. Mm-hmm. It had no heat. And and we're we're driving through, uh, you know, sub sub freezing temperatures across Interstate 80 up up through Reno. Yeah, it was cold. <laughs> and uh, by the time he got done playing blackjack at four o'clock in the morning, I actually zonked out in the back seat, and he uh, he drove half the way home. Oh goodness! If I could make it that far and survive that big a trip, then everything else would be okay. Yeah, you're doing fine. I normally ask about seller's remorse in this part of the show where if there's a car that you let go. But I know in our pre-show chat, we talked a little bit about a point in your collecting career of toy cars, die-cast cars, that you let a, a lot of your collection go. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that as far as seller's remorse. Uh, sure. Uh, well, I, I did, uh, in t- by, by 2005, I had, uh, I had gotten up to about 10,000 pieces, which is by any stretch, Quite a few. Yes. Then towards the end of 2005, I learned that I was going to be a dad. And priorities shifted. And so uh, I, I took steps to try and thin the herd, as it were, mm-hmm. um, try and thin things out uh, so that I would still have, I'd still have a good representation of what I wanted from my collection, but to, to get rid of things in such a way that I wouldn't feel like it hurt. Uh, and I was able to do that. I was down to I was down to about fifty five hundred pieces for a while. So I, I chopped it basically in half. And in the intervening eight years or so, uh, probably more nine years, I'm back up to uh, back up to nine thousand four hundred pieces. I ju- I just got back from a, a ten day trip to Japan, my first time in Japan, and I, I visited a, a number of hobby stores and hobby shops there. Grabbed some things that I'd, I'd never seen before and had never known existed. I'm very excited, and uh, so yeah. In my uh, Excel spreadsheet, as of last night, I'm up to 9,400 pieces again. Oh my gosh! Well, incredible and definitely unique twist on seller's remorse here at Cars. Yeah, that's for sure. How about current projects? Are you working on anything right now that really has you excited and fired up? Right now, I'm just facing down deadlines for <laughs> for the next issue of Hemmings Muscle Machines which will be in production uh, as you hear this. And uh, I have a, a couple of cars in my garage that need a, a little bit of wrenching. I have a, a 31 Model A Ford Coupe. Oh, wow. 
uh, that's got some electrical glitch right now. I don't know if it's a battery issue or a generator or what the story is, but it, it's just a question of time and tracking it down. So it's one or the other. And then, uh, then I have a, a, a 64 Dodge Dart GT convertible, red on red. Uh, it's a 273 two-barrel push button. And uh, it's um, I can drive around in the daytime, no problem, but there's a, an issue with the, the headlights. I hit a bump one night because in, in Phoenix, it gets so blessed hot during the day. The best time to go and drive an old car is going to be at night because it gets down into the 90s temperature. And especially with a convertible, I, I never bother putting the top up. So so not having the sun beating down on your head is nice. But I, I hit a bump and just, the lights just clicked off and I haven't been able to get them back working since. So that's next. Be, beyond that, uh, no, beyond that, it's just keeping the daily drivers going. Yep. Well, with old cars, there's always something that needs to be worked on. So fantastic. Well, this next question is a little revealing to how you think of yourself. So if Jeff Koch was a car, what kind of car would he be and why? Something something underpowered, slightly overweight, <laughs> dowdy, but reliable. Well, um, probably a slant six Valiant. Oh, okay. That's the first here. Something in a something in a four door sedan. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Like I said, it's always a revealing answer, and I love the way you answered that. Honestly, that's great. So, Jeff, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, here's a free gift for our listeners here at Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full color ebook filled with fuel filler fun, with over sixty color photographs of vintage cars, plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to carsyad.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your free filler-up book today at Cars Yeah. Okay, Jeff, we're entering the last lap, and this is where I'm going to fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. Mm. So are you ready? Let's do it. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received buy something that runs <laughs> there you go especially after we just talked about project cars oh. could you share one of your personal habits that you believe has contributed to your success poor sleep habits if i'm in one of my insomniac moods i'm able to knock down deadlines at two three o'clock in the morning one of the advantages of, of working from home rather than going into an office is uh you don't have to go and hop in a car and drive across town to get where you need to go i just need to walk across the house sit down in front of my computer and uh Get going. There you go. There's been uh, many shows here on Cars Yeah I've edited in the middle of the night that I just got up and said, ah, can't sleep, I'll just do it now. I commute down the hallway, so like you, so it's pretty nice. Is there a resource that you'd like to share with our listeners that you're really fond of? And since you're into toy cars, maybe it's a website you go to that has a great, it's a great place to go shop for toy cars, or maybe it's a blog that you receive. I'm a big fan of the, uh, the Tales of Toy Cars blog. I subscribe to it on Facebook. I'm not sure if it's available on other uh, on other formats or not, but uh, it's headed up by uh, by Doug Breithaupt, who is himself a longtime toy car and real car collector. Uh, he's got about a dozen cars in his a dozen real cars in his own collection, and countless. Uh, he puts me to shame with the number of cars he has in his collection. You know, Doug is up to over twenty thousand now in his collection. I know Doug. He lives up here in the Northwest. I've participated in some of his tours. 
And I've known him. I've seen him at many shows. He's a great guy, and uh, that's a great website to go play at. I have uh, photographed a couple of his cars over time for uh, for Hemmings Classic Car Magazine and Hemmings Sports and Exotic Car Magazine. Doug is not unknown to me. I'm not just <laughs> saying he's, uh, you know. No, that's great. And Doug's a great guy, too, so it's a great resource to list. Would you share a book with us, Jeff, that you've read in the past that you've really enjoyed? Maybe just one you can think of that the Cars Yow listeners should get their hands on, other than A Christmas Carol. Sure. This, this is an oldie. It may be tough to find all of them, but maybe uh, maybe 40 years ago now, there was a set of encyclopedias published in Britain called The World of Automobiles. It was 22 monthly volumes or so, or bi-monthly volumes, Everybody always has volume one because it was available in supermarkets across the country. And it's a fascinating historic glimpse. It gives you a much wider range of topics than you might think you'd be able to fit into a single book. Um, and you, similarly, you get, you get plenty of depth. Would you have to look on eBay to find those, you think? I, yeah, I think uh, your, your favorite used bookseller or an online resource Every February here in Phoenix, there's uh, there's a used book sale, and uh, last time I was there a couple of years ago, one of the booksellers had two or three complete sets available. So complete sets are out there. I think I paid I think I paid sixty five or seventy dollars for my set with shipping. Oh goodness, that's not bad. A few years ago, yeah. It's, it's, so it's not it's not prohibitively expensive by any means, and it, it's and of course it's you know it's a little bit dated. Yeah, being 1974, they're they're not going to have all the you know latest uh, all the latest information. But as as uh, something to dip into history, it uh, it highlights some some things that have fallen into obscurity over time. Yeah, oh, sounds like a great resource. Love it. I'll remind the Carsia listeners you can find links to these resources at carsia.com/slash Jeff Koch. So Jeff, here's a funny question for you. If you were told that you had to give your entire collection away of toy cars, I know, this is going to be a tough one, and you could only keep one, what would that one be? Here's the thought. Um, uh, yes. When I worked at Johnny Lightning, I had the opportunity to make my own car, basically. The, the tooling already existed. It was just a question of painting it upright. It was the uh, the Mercury Montego that I built when I was uh, when I was at Hot Rod Magazine in the late '90s. That car came with me to to Johnny Lightning, and I remember it was it was one of the first things actually that happened when I got there. Something else had fallen out for licensing reasons; they couldn't get a, the right signature on the paperwork, and there was a hole in this one particular program. And I just went with what was easiest, and what was easiest was for me to take a picture of my own car and, and have it done. And I'd sign whatever needed to be done. So it's uh it's a, a blue nineteen seventy Mercury Cyclone with uh with black Chevy Rally wheels and a gray carbon fiber front bumper. Came out in late two thousand one, early two thousand two. And I think I think because because it sort of bridges the gap, because it represents my time at Hot Rod and also is representative of my uh my involvement with Johnny Lightning, I would probably take it over yeah. over anything else. Just be a purely purely for memory. Sure, uh, that sounds awesome. Sounds like a great answer. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, Jeff. And this last question can be a real doozy for some people. 
If you could only have one collector car in your garage, and money's no object, because today's Christmas, and today I'm Santa Claus, and today I'm going to bring you whatever you'd like, what would that vehicle be, and why? Ho, ho, ho. Well, I would want want something, something with power, speed, something that could fit my entire family and stuff. <laughs> and I don't, it's, it's not available anymore. So I don't know if that puts it in the collector car realm or not, but I would, I would lean very, very strongly toward a Cadillac CTSV wagon. Oh, wow. I keep going back and forth on whether, whether stick or the automatic with the, with the flappy paddles is the way to go. But, uh, but yeah, C- CTSV wagon would be on my, on my short list of, of, uh, you know, the, the only car I ever would have in my garage ever again if I had to choose one. All right. Well, I'll get uh, the sleigh fired up, and we'll get that over to you as soon as possible. Pretty cool. Jeff, you've taken me on a great ride today. I want to thank you for being with me here on Christmas. It's been wonderful. I hope someday I get to meet you and look at this collection of 9,400-plus diecast cars. Uh, At least now I can tell my wife, hey, look, I'm not nearly as crazy as Jeff. I've only got a few, so you can't (laughs) complain about the dust collectors here. I want to thank you for sharing your journey with me. Could you give our listeners one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that Cadillac? If there's something you love and it makes you happy and it doesn't hurt anybody else, stick with it. Absolutely. Stick with it. Don't be afraid to ask, just like Jeff did. Listeners, again, you can find everything here at carsyad.com slash Jeff Koch. Jeff, thank you so much for being so generous with your time today and your expertise and for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Merry Christmas to you and Merry Christmas to all the Cars Yeah listeners out there. I hope the upcoming new year is fantastic for everybody and all your dreams do come true. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thank you, Mark, and, and thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you out there. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.